In the here and now, I see the good growing everywhere like fields of wildflowers. And though the past is gone, brokenness lingers like a ghost in the house of my soul. Still, my hope for the future lies in the scarred hands of my Redeemer, the one who is making all things whole and all things new. The good, the broken, the future. When I look with him, I see them all. I see with mature love. I see all three, always commingled. everyone. I'm Pastor Melody. It's so good to see all of your faces this morning, and we're so glad to have you guys joining us online as well. Today, we are finishing up our Co-Mingled series, and as you guys just saw from the bumper, we've been talking about this idea of the good and the broken and the future all being mingled together as one thing to see and engage and love. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the future, the future, all right? So before we get into this, we're excited about having our kids in here with us for a few more weeks. And so we want to remind our kids of our memory verse for this series. Does anybody remember it? Yes, Matthew. That's right. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Romans 12. 15. Great job, Matthew. So you guys can put that down on your sheets. Don't forget, you're going to be meeting with Mr. Brett afterwards. And I'm glad that we've gotten the nickname situation out of the way. Those of you guys who don't know, the kids have given Pastor Benjamin and myself multiple nicknames at the Kids Corner. Thanks for that. I will, however, say the one that did not get said last week, and I'm just going to put it out there now so that I don't have to like hear it a lot, because Ian came up afterwards and he had another one to add to the Melody nickname collection, and it's Smellity. Yep, Smellity. I've been called that multiple times this week by y'all, so I'm just going to put it out there because I figure if I say it first, we can be done with it. So no more of that. All right. So we're talking about the good, about the broken, and today about the future, right? And we've talked about the good things and the broken things, and those things make sense to us, right? We understand that there are good things in the world that we can celebrate. And we understand that there are broken things in the world that we can mourn. And maybe we can see those things on our own, right? And maybe as the spirit of Christ grows within us, we can see them more and more, right? But what does it mean to see the future? What does it mean to see the future? Are we fortune tellers here? Is that what's going on? We're talking about seeing the future. Are we supposed to believe that everything in this life is just going to turn out for the good? Is that what we're supposed to believe? what are we talking about when we're talking about seeing the future? Now, the first week, our intro week, Pastor Benjamin actually told us that we're supposed to do more than see the future. We're supposed to do some things with it. So let's put those things up on the screen because that's what we're going to talk about today. He taught us that when we notice the future, we agree with its reality. When we embrace the future, we participate in bringing it into being. And when our love is poured out towards the future experience hope hope so that's what we're going to talk about today but what do we really mean by that like that sounds nice but what does that mean how does that actually impact our lives I think we need to ask 
three questions about those things. So we're going to ask three questions today. Number one, what is this future that we're supposed to be agreeing with? What is it? And number two, how do we participate in bringing it into being? And then number three, what are we really hoping for? What are we really hoping for? So to answer some of those questions today, we're going to look at three stories. Three stories about commingling. Commingling, okay? The first is a personal story of mine. Second is a story that we're all living together right now. And then the third is a story of Jesus, okay? And I like teaching through stories, sometimes more than any other way. You know, that's how Jesus taught a lot. He taught through stories, right? And before we get into these stories that I'm going to tell today, let's think about what Jesus said about teaching through stories. We're going to look at Matthew 13. Matthew 13.10 says, The disciples came up and asked, Why do you tell stories? And he replied, You've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. Nobody has this gift, this insight. It hasn't been given to them. Not everybody has this gift. It hasn't been given to them. Whenever somebody has a ready heart for this, the insights and the understandings flow freely. But if there's no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. That's why I tell stories, to create readiness, to nudge people towards receptive insight. In their present state, they can stare until doomsday and not see it, listen until they're blue in the face and not get it. I don't want Isaiah's forecast repeated all over again. Your ears are open, but you don't hear a thing. Your eyes are awake, but you don't see a thing. The people are blockheads. They stick their fingers in their ears so they won't have to listen. They screw their eyes shut so they won't have to look. They won't have to deal with me face to face and let me heal them. But you have God-blessed eyes, eyes that see, and God-blessed ears, ears that hear. Now let's pause at these words just for a minute, okay? Because when we're talking about seeing the commingled reality of things, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about the gift of seeing as Jesus sees, just like he's talking about in this passage. God-blessed eyes, God-blessed ears, right? That's what it means to have Christ in us. I don't want to live with my eyes screwed shut, right? I want to see commingled, the good, the broken, and the future. So let's look at these stories today. And the reason why we're talking about stories of commingling rather than stories of the future is because life is commingled. And just like we really can't take the good out of context without acknowledging the broken, we can't take the broken out of context without acknowledging the good, we also can't take the future out of context, right? It's all three always. All three always. And remember the questions that we're asking today. What is this future we're supposed to be agreeing with? How do we participate in bringing it to being? And what are we really hoping for? So the first story. The first story is about Circle A Ranch. You guys know my family owned a camp in Michigan for many, many years, almost 40 years. And I think I've told you part of this story before, but I needed to revisit it today. Because this story about Circle A is the most singular commingled experience that I've ever had in my life. And so I have to tell you about it. I grew up in Michigan, grew up on the ranch, 
Loved my life there for many, many years. And several years ago, I think it was about six or seven years ago, our family decided that the grounds were deteriorating to the point where it really wasn't worth fixing everything back up just to do one or two weeks of camp in the summertime. And so we decided to move our camp program somewhere else and not return back to the ranch in Michigan. We kept the property because we weren't sure what we were going to do with it one day. So we owned it, but we weren't going there. Well, about, I think it was about two or maybe three years ago, in the wintertime, I went back to visit this property. And it had been basically abandoned except for the house on the property for several years. So the lodge and the tennis courts and the auditorium and the barns, all of it really wasn't being used and hadn't been used for a number of years. And when I went to visit this place, now I'm telling you this place is the most sacred ground in the whole world to me, right? It's, it's one of those places where God is most real, where love is most real. It is, it is a holy place for me. And when I went there, I, I had steeled myself, right? Because I knew it was going to be hard to see it run down. But I had no idea. I had no idea how hard it was going to be. Because when I got there, it wasn't only run down. It looked dead. It looked dead. There were trees that had just been wiped out by storms, just trees down all over. The grass had grown up on the tennis courts, and it looked like something from a horror movie. The siding was falling off the buildings, and it looked so dead, and I mourned so deeply for this place. And I remember standing on the driveway, looking out towards the ranch, and I could see the lodge and the tennis courts and the barns and the auditorium, and it all looked dead. And then I looked behind me, and there was a tree. There were multiple trees, actually. Giant, giant pine trees. And it took me off guard because I remember those trees differently. I actually planted those trees with my dad when I was, like, my kid's age, little, a little girl. And they were, like, this big. And I looked behind me, and there were those trees 20 feet tall growing hugely, these pine trees, alive. And there was something that happened to me in that moment when I saw life and I saw death. And it was that commingled space because then I saw something else that day. I saw resurrection. And I had a vision of everything at Circle A alive again. People there loving it again. People there loving each other and God again. And, and all the things restored and all the things made new. And it was like a, a vision just like overtook my sight and it floored me. And in that moment that I experienced that vision, I knew not only would my experience of Circle A never be the same, but I would never be the same. I would never be the same. That moment of that commingled vision was so strong and powerful in me that I knew it changed me forever in that moment. And I could see resurrection. Resurrection. Now, I will tell you, I, I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> I knew it was a promise from God, like, life will be here again. But I didn't know what that meant. Like, are, are we moving back here? Is that what that promise means? Or are we selling it? Is that what that promise means? Or are you just talking about, like, this will be my heaven one day, and it'll be, I'll see it again in heaven? I didn't know what it meant, but I knew that there was a future and that it was resurrected. That's what I knew in that moment. And I saw the good, the broken, and the future all together. And when I think about this commingled idea, good, broken future, that's one way to say it. 
There's another way to say it that I want us to think about today. We'll put it up on the screen for a second. I think the good equals life. And I think the broken equals death. And I think the future equals resurrection. Resurrection. It's another lens to view this commingled existence, but I think it's an important one. I think it's an important distinction to know what this future really means. So in this moment, for me, it was a transformational moment. I knew my life would never be the same. I knew my understanding of being a human of being a child of God would never be the same in that moment. And that holy moment of supernatural clarity didn't last. Like, I don't walk away from there, like, shining in the glory of God forever. But the transformation took root in me that day. I didn't know how I was going to participate in this resurrection. I only knew that it was promised. I knew that it was promised. And it was only a glimmer. It was only a thread, but it was enough for me that day. Now I tell you this story for a few reasons. One, because I'm gonna come back to it later and tell you another chapter of it. But two, because I want you to know that I am praying this sort of experience for you, a place in your life. I know we all don't have a camp to go to in the dead of winter in the middle of Michigan and have this transformational experience, but I think we all have places in our lives where something feels dead. Where once there was life, and now it feels like death. And my prayer is that you, each of you, would have a moment of commingled vision where you can see and believe in the promise of resurrection. Resurrection, life again, all things new. It might be something different for all of us, a job, a relationship, but I'm praying for an experience like this for you. And yet, I think we're all sort of in the middle of one right now, together, in our element space. If we've got the commingled eyes to see, I think we can see it. I think we can see it today, and I hope that we'll take the time to do it. So the second story, element, the element warehouse, what we're going through right now. I think you guys in the room here know, but you might not know online that we are currently in the process of going down to half of our space. We lost our subtenant who was paying half our rent. And so because of that, we have chosen to come down to half the space of the warehouse. And the reality is it's gonna be great for us. It's gonna be so great for Element because this size space is really what we need. It's gonna meet every single one of our physical needs and it's gonna take a lot of mental and financial weight off of us. So it's gonna be a great thing. But I will tell you it's been a commingled experience for me and probably for a lot of us, right? So we're gonna put up some pictures of what the other side of the warehouse looks like. Now, if you're here today, it still looks like this, so you can go see it. But if you're joining us online, you can see these pictures. And you know, I've been working over there. I've learned all kinds of things I didn't know that I was gonna need to learn, like drywall removal and insulation things and all. I mean, I've just, you guys, it's been quite a process. But as I slowed my work one day and just kind of took in the vista, of, of what it looked like over there, I had another one of these commingled moments. And I was standing there looking at this demolished warehouse because basically what we're doing is ripping down multiple classrooms so that we can use the material from over there to rebuild some classrooms over here. So we had to rip it all down. And I'm looking at this torn apart warehouse and I had a, a thought like, 
This is a visual metaphor of my entire life. This is what I'm looking at. It's like a metaphor for my life right now. And there was dust hanging thick in the air, and there was this funky smell of metal cutting or something. I don't know what the smell was. And there was insulation stacked like <laughs> really high over there. There were metal beams scattered all across the floor in all different kinds of piles, and the inner workings of the walls were just strewn around the room. And as I saw it, I just, I felt the weight of it. Like I felt the weight of this destruction, basically, because that's what we did over there. We, we destroyed something, right? And I felt like, oh, this is a visual metaphor for my life because right now, like, there, my life is in the process of some destruction and rebuilding, personally, some overhaul and rebuilding. And as I stood there and looked at it for a moment, I, I felt the brokenness of it. I felt the brokenness, and it floored me for an instant, and then I saw the good, and I saw the future, the future, right? And the resurrection promise came right on the heels of the weight of the brokenness of it. And I could see the good. I could see all the years that that warehouse has served multiple churches to teach kids about Jesus, right? And I could see all the work that our people have put in to ripping stuff apart over there so that we can rebuild over here. And it was so good. I saw the broken. I saw the mess. I saw what is really a death to that space in some ways. And then I saw the future. The future of our church being poised to release some of this weight that we've been carrying, to lean into our future together, to lean into our calling together. And it was this promise of resurrection, this promise that every need that that space met will be met again and met in bigger and better ways than we could imagine. And it was that same promise, that same commingled moment. Because I will tell you right now that Element is experiencing a resurrection. We are. A resurrection of, of who we were called to be and how we were called to be it. And it feels clearer now than ever before. This is our commingled story. And I pray that we'll slow down today and we'll see it, all the pieces of it, the good, the broken, and the future. Now we're going to stop our stories for a minute and we're going to think about the questions that we're asking today. Okay? What is this future we're supposed to be agreeing what is this future that we're supposed to be agreeing with? How do we participate in it? And then what are we hoping for? So first question, what is the future we're supposed to be agreeing with? I want us to grasp this answer. Grasp it. Think about it internalize it because if we don't grasp this answer we're not going to fully experience the reality of what we're talking about if we're going to see as the father sees then we have to remember that every bit of resurrection or wholeness or shalom or reconciliation that happens here on this earth is only a glimmer only a glimmer of the true future the true future the real future, the real thing that we're talking about, that we're talking about agreeing with and participating with, is the union of heaven and earth. It's the resurrection of all things. It's the restoration of all things. It's the renewal of all things, all things made new. That's the future that we're really hoping for. Not just, 
oh, we're going to build some new classrooms and carry on into the future. Like, that's good. Not just, oh, Circle A is going to have people on it again. That's good. That's a glimmer of the future, but the real future is this. Let's look in Revelation 21. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. All things new. This is the promise of our faith. If we are not grounded in this reality, we're missing so much of what God offers his children right here, right now, right? Now, we don't have time to unpack all that today, but I am going to tell you guys that starting next week, we're starting a new series called All Things New, and we're really going to look at this. We're really going to look at what this promise means because this is a promise that we know, like we're Christians, we know Jesus will come back and we'll go to heaven and whatever, but like do we really, do we really live like we really believe that? We're going to ask that question in our next series. And we're going to look this future right in the face, right in the face. And we're going to be transformed because of it. So don't miss next week. Don't miss our next series. But for today, let's land on this. The answer to the question, the future that we are agreeing with is the union of heaven and earth. The union of heaven and earth. The kingdom come. The kingdom of God here with us. That's the future that we are hoping for, that we are agreeing with, is happening. So then the second question is, how do we participate? How do we participate in bringing that into being? Because, wait, if we're talking about that future, then isn't that like where we've got to wait for Jesus to come back? Like, there's not a lot we can do to hurry that along. He said no one would know when he was going to come back, right? Yes. The timing of the one true narrative of redemption is not in our control. But the participation in the one true narrative of redemption is our choice to make each and every day, each and every day, okay? Because here's the thing. Jesus might have a second coming in our lifetime, might have a second coming many, many years from now. We might not fully be able to predict exactly what's going to happen by basing it on ancient texts, but here is what we do know. Jesus is already here. Jesus is already here. He lives in you, and he lives in me, and his transformation of the world has already begun. It's already begun, right? And we can choose today and every day to participate in it. You know, this commingled series is based on a book by Zach Elliott called Now I See. And I'm going to read a beautiful metaphor that he uses in the book called Life at the Seams. At the Seams. So let's read this together. He says, picture the fabric of reality. 
shredded and torn by all that violates shalom. Can you see rips where the broken has invaded and disrupted the good? And then, can you also see how that fabric might yet be woven back together? Imagine a seam woven into the fabric, mending the torn places with one stitch at a time. That is the vision of the future we participate in. Shalom restored. All things mended, all things woven together and whole. Seams are the early evidence of things being set right. Isn't that a beautiful picture? These seams, the early evidence of shalom, the early evidence of the kingdom coming. So how do we see those things and how do we participate with them, right? Here's something to remember. Commingled vision expects shalom even when it can't be seen. Commingled vision expects shalom, the future, the coming wholeness, even when it can't be seen. Even when we don't see it, we expect it. We believe it, right? So I'm going to tell you the next part of my Circle A story. And I think a lot of you guys know the next chapter is that we have sold the ranch. We've sold it. We sold it to a family in Michigan who actually lived right next to the property and who has been in love with it for a long time and who basically has a vision to restore a lot of it um, and to use it as an event space in the future. So we've sold the ranch. And I will tell you, I came to another commingled moment not too long ago because I had kind of had my goodbye with the property when I went a couple years ago, but my brother hadn't been able to do that. And so he took a trip up to Michigan a few weeks ago to be there for the closing and to get the last of our stuff out of the ranch and to say goodbye. And I thought I was fine with this all happening. Like I was, I thought, yep, this is the right time. It's right, it's the right thing to sell the ranch. But he called me one day on FaceTime. And he was there saying goodbye. And as I watched this video, basically, it was just, you know, he was walking around the ranch and I could see it behind him. And it still looked dead. Like it still looked so overgrown. I mean, it was summer, so it wasn't as dead as winter, but it was not what it used to be and it was another moment of just grieving like just grieving this loss of this place that has brought so much life to so many but as I watched this video and I heard him talk about what this amazing family wants to do with the ranch I realized that my participation in this future was the letting go it was the surrender to say resurrection isn't mine to control. Resurrection isn't mine to dictate. It's God's. And my part for this story was the letting go. And I will tell you, and we're going to put some other pictures up on the screen. This family, within three days of them closing on this property, They've already, now I know it doesn't look amazing, but believe me, it looks a lot better than it did. They've already started painting, clearing out so much mess. Like, you can't believe it. Almost looks like it used to. It's unbelievable because that was a jungle the day they bought it. And they were like all their kids out there painting the barns. It was absolutely 
so incredible to see life already being breathed back in in the moment we let it go. The moment, right? Not every story, our participation is about surrender. I mean, maybe in some ways. But that's what mine is for this story. But we all have our own stories. We all have those places where it looks like death, where it looks like brokenness, where it once was good and now we don't know what resurrection could look like. Let's think about those places for a minute. What is that place in your life? Maybe it's a major life change that's coming your way. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's a financial challenge. We all have our stories, right? Maybe you feel like you're standing in that empty warehouse, breathing in the dust of your torn-up life, looking at the pieces strewn across the floor and not knowing how you're going to rebuild again. It's easy to see the broken. Let's not miss the good, but please let's not miss the future. Let's not miss the promise that all will be made new. Every place in your life where you feel brokenness right now, the promise of Jesus is resurrection. It is restoration. It is shalom. That is the good news that is ours to breathe in and live every day. Every day. So how do we participate in it? For me, for this story, it was the surrender. It was the letting go. But that's not all we can do, right? That's not all we can do to participate. There's a whole lot we can do. And we're going to read another quote from Zach. He says, Mature love moves. It chooses responsibility over comfort. It acts, bearing witness to the light that always follows the darkest hours of the night. Mature love moves to where things are being made new, present in those places where it can embrace the process of mending. Participation in the future is our movement towards shalom. So how do we participate? By acting, by moving, by acting with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, by doing the work of reconciliation in ourselves, in our relationships, in our lives, by finding those seams where something may just be mended back together and adding a stitch, adding a stitch into the mending, right? The way Zach puts it is that we say to the darkness, I beg to differ. I beg to differ. This story that was once good and that now looks broken and that now looks like death, I beg to differ with death being the end of this story. This story does not end in shame. This story does not end in destruction. This story ends in resurrection every time. I beg to differ with the death. I beg to differ with the darkness. So that brings us to our last question. What are we really hoping for? Resurrection. Resurrection, nothing less. Nothing less than all things made new. All things made new. Briefly, our third story is about Jesus. Jesus at the Last Supper, when he brings his disciples together, and it's the last time they're going to be together before he's crucified. 
And they're sitting there at this table and they see the good. They're enjoying a feast, a meal together. And there's good food and there's good fellowship and there's beauty in their relationships. There's good. But his heart is broken. And their hearts are about to be broken because of the sacrifice that he's about to make. And as he passes the bread and the wine, those elements themselves are the commingled reality of good and broken and future. The good, the bread, the wine is life. It's sustenance. It's food. It's what keeps us alive as humans, right? But the broken is that it represents his death, right? Death. But the future, the future is resurrection. His resurrection, our resurrection. So the elders are going to come and they're going to pass out communion because we're going to take it together today and we're going to experience it in this commingled way. And we're going to think about our lives. We're going to think about those places where once was good and it now feels dead. And we're going to ask God for a vision of resurrection. So elders, would you pass out the elements of communion? We do have our um, single servings today. And if you guys are joining us online, we would absolutely love for you to grab some bread and some juice and to join us. So if we're asking how we participate in the future, we've got to look at what Jesus did. We've got to look at what Jesus did. He set the example of how to participate in the future. And he lived every moment of his life right at the seams, right at the seams, speaking truth and hope and grace and mercy and justice and freedom and resurrection, not only speaking it, but embodying it, embodying it, pouring out his life in a movement towards shalom, in a movement towards peace, in a movement towards resurrection. And we are called to do the same. We are doing the same. That is what our purpose is. So we're going to read from 1 Corinthians, and we're going to take the elements together. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Guys, my prayer today is for this commingled vision to take root in us. And maybe it's a transformational, you'll never be the same moment. And maybe it's just in the little by little. Or maybe it's just in the coming back again to the truth that you already know. But whatever it is for you, it's my deepest prayer 
that we will not only see the good celebrate it, that we will not only see the broken and mourn it, but that we will always see the future for what it is. So let's pray. God, we thank you for this reminder and invitation today. We thank you for these stories, these experiences that change us. And while some of these stories are mine, God, we all have our own. And so I pray that whatever our stories are today, that you would just show up right in the midst of them, that you would make your truth known, that resurrection is the end game. Resurrection is the hope. Nothing less. Nothing less than every broken thing restored. God, make it true. Make it true in a way that it goes deeper than anything we've experienced before. We love you, Jesus. And we're thankful for this invitation today.